I grabbed my board and swam out to him, ready to give an impromptu surf lesson. When I reached him, he was out of breath but started laughing. Dude, he said, please don't watch. This is embarrassing. Nothing to be embarrassed about. It's a hard sport to learn. This your first time? I asked. He nodded and ran a hand through his wet blonde hair. I've actually never been to the ocean. I spent my whole life in Arizona. That's funny, I said, because you kind of look like the stereotypical Cali surfer boy. He laughed. Yeah, I've heard that before. I'm Brendan, by the way. I'm Nick, I said. So, what brings you out to SoCal? Brendan attempted to jump on his board again, but ended up face down in the water again. He spit out water and said, I actually just transferred to California State. Oh, no way, I said. That's where I'm at right now. That's sweet, dude. Then maybe you can teach me how to surf. I laughed (laughs) and ended up giving him some pointers. We stayed out there for two hours, and by the end of it, he was able to stand up on his board. I admired that no matter how many times he fell in, he stayed positive and kept smiling. Brendan asked if I wanted to get lunch at the campus cafeteria after we got back, and I agreed. From that point on, we were inseparable. It was as if we gravitated to each other. Neither of us felt the awkward beginning stages of friendship, where we were unsure how much the other person wanted to hang out. We just immediately assumed that we would do everything together. And we did. We ate together, we partied together, we spent every weekend together. The only area where we didn't overlap was his love for playing music. He played guitar and sometimes would sit in my room and play quietly as I studied. He offered to teach me how to play since I was teaching him how to surf, but I declined his offer. I had never learned an instrument and I had no desire. One night, he was in my room practicing a new song he was writing when he said, I'm going on another date with Allie. Brendan had gone on a few dates since we had known each other, but they never amounted to anything. He had only been on a second date with a girl once before, but now this would be his fourth date with Allie. Oh, nice dude, I said. So, are things getting serious? He stopped strumming his guitar and looked at me. Yeah, I think I'm gonna ask her to go steady with me. You know, like, be my girlfriend. That's when I first felt it, this twinge in my chest. Looking back, it was probably nothing out of the ordinary at that moment. It's normal to feel jealous or hurt when someone you like starts spending more time with someone else. But this feeling I had would soon fester, grow into something I couldn't have imagined. And it all started with that moment, the first time I felt unsure about my friendship with Brendan. That's awesome, Brendan. I'm happy for you, I said, unsure if I was lying or not. That night, I was awake in bed with future fears swarming me. I kept thinking about how Brendan and Allie would fall in love. He was going to spend all his time with her. They were going to get married and then never have time for me again. This of course was a ridiculous leap for my mind to take, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. In the coming weeks, Brendan and Allie continued to grow closer. They were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Brendan and I still spent time together during the week, but almost every weekend, he was off on some adventure with Allie. 
I started hoping to myself that they would break up, that they would have some conversation and realize they weren't on the same page about their futures. But instead, they just fell more in love. And I would start to fantasize about more than just them breaking up. Darker things. I started to entertain the thought of Allie dying. At first, it was just vague, just a general death. I tried to push the thoughts away. I knew they were wrong. Throughout the day, I could stave off these thoughts. But at night, in that twilight between the world of dreams and the waking world, the defenses of my mind slipped. And I began to not only entertain the thoughts of Allie dying, but also enjoy them. Then I had the first dream. It was about Allie. She was walking back to her dorm alone at night. In the dream, I was looming behind her, floating in the air slightly. Only I wasn't in my body. I was some strange entity, stalking Allie like a predator. She seemed to notice my presence and glanced over her shoulder. Her searching eyes told me that she didn't notice me. Allie started walking faster. I felt myself reaching out to her. I didn't have arms, but some sort of power of mine was reaching her. My power was about to touch her when I jolted up in bed. The fire alarm was going off. Everyone in our dorm shuffled into the hallways and out to the front of the building. Most students were in their pajamas. I saw Brendan across the swarm of people and started to make my way over to him. I was halfway through the crowd when Allie came running from the adjacent dorm. She was crying. I approached, but stayed hidden in the crowd. I overheard her saying something about a stalker. She swore someone had been following her. Brendan held her and comforted her. I felt like I was going to puke. The dream I had, had it been real. I had been stalking her as that floating thing, and she really had been walking back to her dorm. I shook my head. That was ridiculous. It was just a coincidence. It had to be. The fire marshal determined that the alarm had been set off by someone who had left ramen to burn in the community kitchen. We all were free to go, and I went straight back to my room without talking to Brendan. In the coming weeks, I saw less and less of Brendan. He was almost always with Allie. I couldn't stop thinking about him. I couldn't stop obsessing about it and wishing Allie was gone. At night, my fantasies became more specific. Brendan had mentioned before that Allie struggled on and off with depression. I know how awful this sounds, but I started to imagine Allie dying by suicide. I would think of her standing on the top level of the parking structure, looking out across the campus, and then she would jump. Then I could be there for Brendan and his grief, and we would be even closer. We would be like brothers. I just needed Allie gone. Then it happened. I drifted to sleep one night and found myself floating near the parking structure. I knew I was in a dream, but it also felt so real. Allie was taking the elevator to the top level. I followed her up. It was strange. It felt like someone else was in control of what was happening. But at the same time, I wanted to do everything that I did. The elevator had a glass wall that let students look out over the campus. As I hovered in front of it, I glimpsed my reflection. I saw a monster. It looked like a massive worm-like creature, only it was completely wrapped in old gray bandages like a mummy. 
There was a separating of the bandages on the front where the head must have been. And peering out from underneath the bandages was a single massive bloodshot eye. That eye stared back at me through the reflection. Was I this monster? I felt myself slide up through the air and reach the roof of the parking structure. Allie walked to the far side and stood next to the wall that was chest high. I slithered through the air until I was just behind her. I felt a ravenous hunger inside me. Hatred seemed to fill the very air around me. Allie must have sensed the malice. She started to turn. Before she could finally turn to see the horror that was me, I lunged forward. Or it felt like I did. The worm thing that I was didn't touch her, but I could feel my power touch her. My hatred and my envy touched her. Allie went toppling over the edge of the wall. She didn't even scream. The only sound was a sickening crunch as her body hit the pavement five stories down. For a moment, I was floating over the edge, staring at her broken body. Red began to spread from underneath her. I sat up in my bed. There was something wet and sticky on me. I ran to the mirror and turned on the light. My face was covered in blood. There was a moment of panic. Then I realized that it was just a bloody nose albeit the worst bloody nose I ever had. We had a sink in our room, so I wiped the blood from my face and went back to sleep. I didn't have any more dreams that night. The next day, the whole campus was buzzing with the news. A student had killed herself. Allie Jacobs had thrown herself off the parking structure. It's hard to explain what I felt in that moment, a mixture of outright horror and calming relief. I knew I had done this. That dream had been real. And that monster either was me or was something I had summoned with my hatred. Either way, I was responsible. But I didn't really care because I could finally be close to Brendan again. I would comfort him and we would be closer than ever. I immediately went to Brendan's room. It was unlocked and I found him sobbing on his bed. I heard what happened, Brendan, I said. I'm so sorry. He just kept crying. I sat down on his bed and put my arm on his shoulder. Let me know if there's anything I can do. I just want to be alone. He said through his sobbing. All right, I said. But whenever you need me, I'll be there for you. I left the room. I remember feeling strangely happy as I walked back to my dorm room. It wasn't so much that I was happy that Brendan was sad. Rather, I was happy that he wouldn't get his happiness from Allie anymore. He would get it from me. Two weeks passed, and I never heard from Brendan. I kept sending him encouraging text messages and telling him I could talk and hang out whenever he wanted, but he hadn't responded. I continued to go to his room to chat with him, but he was never there. One day, I was walking to class when I saw Brendan eating outside with Henry Elmore. Henry was a music student, and I knew that Brendan would sometimes have jam sessions with him, but I didn't think they were very close. I already felt an envious energy that made my heart beat faster. I walked up next to the table they were at and said, Hey, Brendan, where have you been, man? Henry shot an awkward look to Brendan and then stood up and said, Well, I've got to get to class. I'll see you tonight, Brendan. He left, and I sat down in his chair. Hi, Nick, Brendan began. 
Sorry I haven't responded to your texts. It's just been a lot, you know? My brain is just scattered. It's no big deal, I said, even though it did feel like a big deal to me. How are you doing? Where have you been? Brendan swallowed and shut his eyes. I haven't been doing great, but I found some comfort in playing music. Henry and I started playing together more, and it just helped me in a way that words can't. He lives off campus with his parents, so I've been staying there the last little while. It's just nice to be away from campus right now, you know? And Henry just gets me, and it's been nice being with him. My heart started beating faster. I felt sick. I was the one who was supposed to be comforting him, not Henry. He had been ignoring me this whole time while he had been hanging with someone else. But I knew showing my anger and jealousy would just push Brendan away more. So I swallowed my hatred for Henry and forced a smile. That's great to hear, Brendan. I'm glad you are doing okay, I said. Brendan nodded. So, I said, do you want to hang out sometime again soon? Yeah, of course, Brendan said. Henry and I are going surfing this weekend if you want to join. I felt dizzy. Surfing? The thing I had taught Brendan to do? It was our thing. And now he had made plans with Henry without even telling me? Sounds fun, I said. That weekend I met them at the beach. I tried hard to be happy so that Brendan would enjoy being around me. But I could feel Brendan and Henry gravitating toward each other. He barely spoke to me the whole day. Whenever he had a story to tell or something to say, he spoke to Henry. When I tried to initiate conversations, he would give short replies and hardly engage. This continued for the next month. Brendan and Henry continued to grow closer together. They became the kind of friends that Brendan and I used to be. They would hang out without me all the time. I only ever hung out with them when I went out of my way to find out what they were doing. Brendan always seemed fine with letting me join, but when the three of us were together, I felt like a third wheel. My hatred was so much stronger than it had been with Allie. These feelings were worse. At least with Allie, I could accept that it was normal for guys to date girls and spend time with them. Allie could give Brendan something I couldn't, but with Henry, it simply meant that Brendan liked him better than me. He was tired of being my friend. When I fantasized about Henry dying, it didn't even bother me. I would lay awake all night and imagine different deaths for Henry, and it brought me joy. Once he was gone, Brendan and I would return to normal. We would be friends just like we used to be. I felt power flowing through me as I fell asleep one night. In my dream that wasn't really a dream, I was at the beach. It was the beach where I had met Brendan. Brendan and Henry were there. They were sitting around a campfire. I was, or the worm monster was, watching them from the water. Anger was already churning inside me. They got up and headed toward the ocean, apparently deciding to go for a night swim. They were laughing and splashing each other. Henry was smiling. I hated him. He had stolen Brendan from me. Henry turned to me and I ducked under the water. What's wrong? Brendan asked. I thought I saw something, Henry replied. My long, 
worm-like body slid under the water. I was looking up at Henry from below, his legs kicking as he treaded the water. I wanted him dead. I needed him dead. My mummy wrappings moved like tentacles and wrapped around Henry's legs. I pulled him under. He fought and flailed, but I was impossibly strong. I pulled him in close. I wanted to see his face when he died. Henry saw me. He looked into the massive eye and screamed. Water poured into his lungs. He was thrashing and flailing and choking. His eyes started to bulge like they were about to explode. Then he stopped moving and stared ahead at nothing. I wasn't satisfied. He was dead, but I wanted more. I began pulling him apart with my wrappings. It was easy, just like in a dream where I could do anything I wanted. I tore his arms and legs off and diced him up into pieces. I couldn't even see what was happening as a thick red fog had spread through the water. The bloody water rose to the surface and I followed it. Brendan was screaming for Henry. Seeing the blood, he swam back to the shore. My ravenous hatred was still in me. I realized that I hated Brendan most of all. He had brought Henry to our beach, the beach where we had met and become best friends. He didn't care about me at all. Brendan made it to the shore and turned around to see me. He screamed and fell backwards. I moved through the air. What are you? He shouted in fear. I wanted him to know. I wanted him to know that it was me. I wanted him to know how much I hated him and how much he hurt me. Hi, Brendan. It was my own unaltered voice that came from the creature. Brendan looked horrified. Nick? He stammered. My tendrils wrapped around him and pinned him to the ground. Then, my very own hands emerged from beneath the mass of old cloth bandages. I pressed them into his neck. I was choking the life out of him with my own bare hands. Nick tried to fight, but he couldn't. As his eyes rolled up into his head, I awoke in my bed. Again, I was covered in blood from my nose. Cleaning myself in the mirror, I felt the distancing nature of the dream wearing off. I was suddenly completely aware of what I had done. I had murdered three people. I had murdered my best friend. Sobs overtook me and I fell to the floor, not even bothering to clean the rest of the blood off. That was a week ago, and now I hate myself more than anything in the world. I had a dream the other night where I was looking at my own sleeping body. That vengeful monster is turning its deadly gaze on me. I've even started to see it while I am awake. That nightmarish worm is always in my peripheral view but I can never look at it directly. I just know that it is there, stalking me. I will be its next victim. I will be my own next victim. And I don't care. I want it to kill me, like I killed Brendan. Today I stood in front of the mirror and stared at myself. I looked pale, grayish. My eyes are bloodshot, just like the monster. I stared until I saw double. My two eyes overlapped and looked like one. One massive bloodshot eye in the middle of my face. And there's something just out of view behind me. Something dark and vile, lurking in the shadows of my own mind, waiting to feast. But it has a stomach that can never be filled. 
It has a hunger that can never be satisfied. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these stories, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some more of my episodes here.